O Lord. Our gospel reading this morning comes to us from the book of St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 40 through 52, and can be found on page 1592 in your pew Bible. Luke 2, verses 40 through 52. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Has anyone made any New Year's resolutions? There are a few out there? Okay. I have too. You want to hear them? Well, you're going to. This year, this year I resolve to be driven by money, to give in to my anger more often, to be a nastier human being than ever before. Further, I resolve to drink more, to eat more fried foods, to smoke cigars, to watch more TV and spend a whole lot more time on social media. I will exercise less. And I'm hoping to make this the laziest, least productive year ever. I resolve to save less and to spend 
more. I will make an effort to spend less time with my wife and my children. And instead, I resolve to devote every waking hour, every thought, and every care to me, myself, and I. If all goes as planned, I will be flat broke and never around. Finally, some resolutions that I can keep. Of course, I hope that you would realize that I am not serious about these resolutions. Seriously, who, who would ever make that kind of resolution? That's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. Regardless of your geography, I expect that people all over the world are making resolutions this particular time of year with the intention of improving oneself. We resolve to do less of the bad and more of the good. It's a new year. It's a clean slate. And what better way to start the new year off than with a new and improved you? This being the case, it should come as no surprise that many Christians like to make resolutions involving a new and improved version of the self. Even if we don't make the typical resolutions involving diets and exercise and such, we do tend to resolve to do things like the following. We intend to read our Bibles more. We intend to attend more Bible studies. We intend to volunteer more, give more, etc., etc. We hope to resolve ourselves from old Adam into a new and improved Adam. Think of it as Adam 2.000. The new and improved version of Adam that is far more faithful and far less sinful. And you know what? That is a good thing. There's really nothing wrong with this. And I would hope that we all would recognize that the sin is staring back at us from the mirror when we look into it. And that we would want to do something about it. I certainly hope that you would want to bring about a positive and faithful change in your lives. That's part of what true repentance is. The about face. The turning from the sin and going on and sinning no more. But here's one thing that I really want 
to hit on today. Are you ready? Listen. Did you notice that even these very good and faithful, repentant resolutions, that they focus on ourselves? Inward? These resolutions are concerned about ourselves. And you could say, well, pastor, sharp as a marble. Try as you may, you cannot resolve to change and improve the other guy. You can only worry about yourself, and you can only really affect change in yourself. In fact, the change has the potential to affect others and lead to change in others' lives. But true repentant change begins right here, right there. And if you thought that, you'd be absolutely right. But what about God? When we get down to it, all of these resolutions, as good as they are, are ultimately concerned with my will. What about thy will? What about God's will? That's really what the lessons that we heard today are all about, particularly the Old Testament lesson and the gospel lesson. These lessons are about trust. That is, trusting in God above all things. That is, trusting that God knows what he's doing, that he knows just the right time for all things to happen, even when it seems like it's the worst possible time for us. He knows just the right way for all things to happen so that they benefit all of those who love him and hold fast to him in repentant faith and trust, even when it seems like his way is absolutely the worst possible, least desirable way. He knows. And I say all of this first and foremost because, well, there's an awful lot of good sermon in the readings from this morning, from the Old Testament and also the gospel lesson. We could have a whole series, really, of sermons on the right and the wrong aspects of seeking God when and where he is found. He is found right here in this holy house on his day of new creation and resurrection. So many people are seeking God. You know that. They're seeking Jesus, and they're seeking peace. And they're seeking those in the wrong places. You can hear the little boy Jesus. You can hear his words sounding out when he asks, Why are you looking for me and my peace everywhere but here? Why aren't you looking here? 
Why isn't this the first and only place you would look for me, Mom, Dad, my brothers and sisters in Christ? Where else could he have been, he would say. Where else would I be? Don't you know that, of course, I'd be in my father's house doing his will? Now, we could have a sermon on the aspect of growing in favor of God as well. Growing in favor of God and man, perhaps. The aspect of being a faithful God-pleasing man, while at the same time being a good and faithful spouse, parent, child, student, employee, voter, parishioner, elder, supervisor, and or citizen. We could also spend a great deal of time on the tragic fact that such twofold favor is exceedingly rare and all but impossible in this culture that basically celebrates hedonism and the pursuit of whatever makes you happy. As the old saying goes, you can please some of the people some of the time and even all of the people some of the time. But you will never ever please all of the people all of the time. And this is true of life with our fellow Adams and Eves. And it's especially true of life as a Christian in a world full of fellow Adams and Eves. We can please the old Adam sometimes, and we can please God sometimes, but rarely, if ever, are we able to please God and Adam at the same time. It often comes down to pleasing one or the other, but not both. You're going to have to pick sides, and such a decision has eternal ramifications. We could talk about all of these things, but in the end, we'd keep coming back to the central issue, and that is of trust in God for all things. Trust in his good and his gracious will. Now, that's exactly what Solomon asked for when God gave him the opportunity to ask for whatever he wanted. Solomon didn't ask for the things that we would have asked for. His request didn't sound at all like our resolutions. He didn't ask for more riches or more fame or a better body or a better job, or a better house, or anything like that. He simply asked God that God would grant him the ability to not only know his divine will, but also the ability to, well, the ability and willingness to follow it. And the ability and the willingness to trust 
that God was working all things for the good of his people. That's what he asked for. That is what the boy Jesus exemplified in the temple. Now, bear with me here, but people oftentimes make an assumption that because he caused such worry and such a ruckus, if you will, for his mom and his dad, that he sinned. Some people feel that that was sin. And because he was still a child, some people assume that his sin didn't count. And that is just not true. Jesus did not sin ever. Period. He simply did his Father's will, his heavenly Father's will, even if it meant that those closest to him in his earthly home were going to be upset and worried and not pleased with him and his choices. He trusted that his heavenly Father knew what he was doing. He trusted that, well, he trusted and he did his Father's will. He loved God more than man. And that, my friends, is what I want to ultimately direct you to as we begin another new year by God's good grace and God's good favor. What is that that you say, Pastor? Well, I say, I direct you to the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. I direct you to the place that is full of God's wrath against sin and also God's love for you. It's kind of like, well, X marks the spot. Here is Christ in awesome obedience to his Father's will. Here is Christ, his unconditional love for you. And I want you to think about all of this for a moment. This is God's plan for your salvation. You know, the plan that, well, I wouldn't do it that way. You've heard me say that. God's plan for your salvation. This is God's answer to your death sentence for sin. He kills his own son so that you can have the gift of life. Jesus Christ, as full God, knew this plan he knew. He wasn't caught by surprise or there wasn't a plot truist uh, on Good Friday. Jesus prayed this, remember, not my will, but thy will be done. And then he did it. Then he obeyed. He willingly, humbly, and obediently conformed his life to the will of his heavenly Father. And I say all this because I am fully aware how life in this fallen and sinful world works. To me, it never ever seems to go as planned. If only we were in charge, right? You've heard me say that too. Boy, if I was in charge, things would be different. If only 
people did what we wanted, what we thought was best, if only things worked out the way we drew the plans up. But they don't, do they? And this year, 2021 won't be any different. Certain things won't go as you think they should. In fact, accolades will be given to people that you don't think deserve it. People who you think are deserving of praise and honor will not be celebrated or esteemed. And you will wonder if God, well, you're going to wonder if God knows the great injustices that are taking place. Can't you see this? Have you asked that? We'll find out that votes don't go our way, that moves will or won't happen. We'll find that we'll be troubled because that's not how we drew up the game plan. Job loss, job change, or no change at all will happen. It will drive you nuts because you had hoped and you had planned differently. In fact, leaders, pastors included, they will stumble, they will let you down, and there will be no shortage of armchair quarterbacking and opinions and complaints. There will be sickness and death. It will rear its ugly and unexpected head, either in your life or in the life of someone close to you someone you feel that is not deserving of such misery and suffering. Financial situations will cause you grief and worry and anger. And you'll say, why me, Lord? What have I done to deserve this? In short, your will won't be done, and it will cause problems, just like last year, just like the year before, just like every year since the first day that our first father and our first mother fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Look here to the cross. Christ and him crucified. Look to him and only to him. Here is your Father's good and gracious will for you and for all people. Here is your Father's answer to that which vexes you, that which gives you no peace, no joy, and no contentment. Here is the peace that surpasses all understanding. Here is the peace and joy and contentment that can only be known in the humility and the wisdom of saving faith. Jesus said, it is finished once and for all in Christ alone and because of Christ alone. You need to understand, and I'm preaching to me too, 
We need to understand that we can't resolve to get this peace or joy or contentment. We can't say, I'm going to be happier and more peaceful. If I have more willpower and more resoluteness, that's not going to change. It's not going to cut it. It's not going to make it happen. Why? Because peace and joy and contentment is a gift from God. A free and unmerited gift that he wants nothing more than to give you now. He wants you to know and he wants you to share with all of those in your life. And this is precisely why I cannot, nobody else can, provide you with a list of helpful suggestions or resolutions for you to attempt to manufacture or produce peace in your own life. At best, such suggestions and resolutions would only serve to lead you away from Christ and into yourself. If it's to be, it's up to, yeah, no. Me, myself, and I, if you say that to yourself, I say it to myself, that is a place that we are guaranteed not to find God's peace in us. For out of the heart, the Bible says, comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Oh, nice. All such self-centered suggestions would only, at best, produce a false version of peace, a worldly fleeting version that will last about as long as the average New Year's resolution. How long do they last? Really. They're here today, and they're gone tomorrow. My family in Christ, I need you to hear this. That right here, <laughs> he's pointing at the cross again. Right here is the peace that surpasses all understanding. Here is the never-ending and eternal peace of Almighty God himself. It's just for you. This is God's will and plan and purpose. And it's all for you. It's for your peace, your joy, and your contentment, and your salvation. X marks the spot. The way of the Christian is the way of Christ. And it's a way that necessarily included a cross. How many truly faithful Christians do you suppose lost their lives to gladiators and lions while serving as the main event at the Roman Colosseum? Despite the hardships and the failures and the crosses that we may bear in this life, make no mistake, this is God's plan of salvation that is working in us and through us according to his timeline. Even though his plan 
and his timing may sometimes cause us pain and suffering at the hands of the world, the world that stands in opposition to God and his plans. Remember this, that our crosses that are humbly born in faith can and do point others to the cross of Christ. And as we now enter into a truly new year, you feel free to make your resolutions. If you haven't already, it's okay. Try your very best, please, I will, to lose weight, to give up smoking, to read more, or whatever it is that you resolve to do or not do this new year. And however, as we enter into this new year as Christians who are called to daily live and proclaim the gospel promise of God in our daily lives, let's remember this timeline and whose plan that we are dealing with. Let us remember that God's plan of salvation for the entire world is not a simple resolution that may or may not come to fruition depending on what sort of mood that Abba, Father, God, is in on a particular day. We know, we trust that God's plan is eternal. God's plan is unchanging and already accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ. It is finished. So remain humbly faithful to God's word and will in all that you say, in all that you think, and in all that you do. And God himself will take care of bringing his plan to fruition in his fullness of time. And may God grant you the grace, the perseverance, and the patience to endure all this fallen and sinful world, everything that it has to throw at you in this new year. As you live out this day and every day as one who is completely redeemed, one who has been given, truly given, a clean slate in the blood of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen.